Today we're doing things a bit differently. We've, we haven't spoken since we moved into this building a few years ago now on, on giving or finances. We don't massively push it. Um, and, uh, but today we thought we would share uh, a little bit around our thoughts around generosity. So um, I hope you're excited about this, particularly in the current climate that we're in. Uh, Kev's going to come up as well a little bit later on. So we're kind of doing like a tag team preach thing uh, around generosity. Kev's one of the elders here and he's also on our finance team. So... He knows what he's talking about, which is good. Um, so I'm going to share a little bit on generosity today. The first thing is that quote, which is, Our thoughts and views about money can be used as an indication of where our hearts are. It's a good quote, isn't it? You think? That quote is by someone in this church family. And uh, I've kept it anonymous. And uh, we've actually got a few quotes that I want to share with you from people that I've asked in our church family here to share why they give, why it's important for them to give. So I'm going to read it out in case you can't see it. If we can go to the next slide, that'd be fantastic. Here we go. The next slide is coming. So this is another quote from someone, oh, another quote from someone in our church family. Each month we give financially to a handful of charities and organizations. These comprise uh, national charities, global charities, and also Waypoint Church. We do this for a few reasons. We believe that those, these organizations are doing work which demonstrates God's love, kindness, and help to those in need in a practical way, kingdom-building work which we want to support. We see it as part of our everyday worship to God, which we are happy and glad to do. Jesus speaks about money a lot in the Bible, not because God needs our money, but because he recognizes that it's something which can easily become an idol and a blocker in our relationship with God. Our thoughts and views about money can be used as an indication of where our hearts are. We recognize that everything we have is given to us by God. Us giving financially to God's work is a way of us showing to God that we put him above all else. Two more. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll be abound in every good work. I believe when we honor God and give what we can, either in time, resources, or actual financial giving, God blesses us and sees in our hearts when we trust him and truly believe. I believe we are called to give back to God's work within the church and other charities close to our hearts when we can. Giving what we can with a grateful heart is what we are called to do. The church cannot run without people's giving. The church blesses our community and further afield, but it obviously needs funds to do that, and that's why God asks us to give. God has truly blessed me specifically financially when I've cried out to him in dire need. This is really good. That bill that needed paying almost always gets paid because the exact amount is refunded from something or someone has unexpectedly gifted to me. I believe that this happens because I choose to honor God with my finances first. And the last one. The question about why it's important to give is a good one. We both recognize everything we are given comes from God. We see God as Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Therefore, with gratitude, we give back to God a proportion of what we earn. It was a decision we made a long time ago at the start of our marriage to try to follow the principle of putting aside an amount from our income on a monthly basis and give it to a church we were attending. Over time, that giving then developed into a set amount given directly through the bank, which reflected our long-term commitment to being part of the church family. Once the money's been direct debited and gift aided, it's been pledged, and therefore I suppose we come to think of the money as not being available to us anymore. Although over the years, for me, honestly, there have been odd occasions when I thought we could really do without money, but we never contemplated altering the giving as a result of those thoughts. 
we have to say when you belong to a church like Waypoint, previously Loxheath, what you receive and the way your family life is enriched and blessed far outweighs any monetary value you could ever give. I, th- I think it's amazing, those quotes from our church family. There's so much maturity in there. Um, you can go to the next slide now if you want. Thank you, by the way, for those of you that shared that anonymously. Um, today, if you haven't guessed, we're talking about giving. <laughs> uh, and it might be a bit of a crazy uh, time to talk about it in the current climate. With everything that's going on with the uh, economic climate right now, the cost of living going up and uh, gas prices, electric prices, and uh, all those things that are concerning us, interest rates. And naturally what we do in these circumstances, in these times, is we begin to gather, don't we, back to ourselves. Has anyone else sat down and looked at their finances over the last few months? Yeah? Is it just us, the privets? We've done it. We've cut things like Amazon Prime out and things we don't need, less coffees. We've looked at what we're spending here and there and on labels and all that sort of stuff as well. Because we're, we're worried, will we have enough? Do we have enough? And naturally what happens in these times is that we become fearful with our finances, don't we? We become fearful about our finances, And I guess the challenge today is, can we have an attitude of faith towards our finances at this time? Because I believe how we respond in the current climate as Christians, as we talk to our friends who will naturally be talking to us about their concerns around finances and the economy and everything else as well, we have an opportunity with our finances and with our thought process to go, do you know what? It is tough and we are making big decisions, but actually I trust that God is in control. I trust that God knows what we need. Matthew 6, doesn't it? It says, Our Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Clothes, food, drink, all the material needs. Not wants, not luxuries, but all the things that you need. Do you believe God knows those things? Yeah? What would it look like for us to be a community here that filters our finances through faith first? That we seek God with our finances first? But we still fall back into this trap, don't we, where we put fear and we put our finances in a big ball that gets bigger and bigger in our mind and it it becomes bigger than God himself. We end up almost worshipping this fear of finances and worry about the economy and what's going to happen and everything else. And I get it because we're there as well. As a family, we've thought the same thing. But actually God is bigger than that. God is bigger than your bank account. He's bigger than all those things. It says, doesn't it, in the rest of Matthew 6, do not worry about tomorrow. Why? Because he wants to bring peace to you now. He's in control. He's in control right now. There's a real-life example of this, um, if you like, in um, 2 Corinthians that I want to share with you. That's our Bible passage today. So if you've got your Bibles, please uh, get 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 to 9. This is a real-world example of God's people putting God's kingdom ahead of their own. Let's just read it. Generosity encouraged. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus 
since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want, you to t- I want to test the sincerity of a love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen. So what's happening there? The context is that Paul, as he's sharing the gospel and he's going all around the world to share the good news of Jesus, uh, Gentiles, who are non-Jewish believers, are, are, are giving their lives to Jesus. And uh, as they're doing this, churches are being formed, and he's going to the church in Corinth, and he's reminding the church in Corinth of the church in Macedonia that despite their circumstances, so what are their circumstances? Because they are following Jesus, because they've given their life to the Lord, they're under severe persecution. Some of them being excommunicated, some in prison, some have lost their livelihood, their jobs, and they're in a really, really, really difficult economic situation themselves. And yet in the middle of their discomfort, they seek first God's kingdom. They seek first God's kingdom and they see to the needs of others. The history books tell us that in 45 AD there was a huge famine going on in Jerusalem and around Jerusalem. And so the Macedonian church are responding to that famine. They see their brothers and sisters in great need, in greater need, and financially they reach out to them. Through Paul, they give a huge offering to this church in Jerusalem despite their own circumstances. And the primary application for this verse is that when brothers and sisters are in great need, then we are there as brothers and sisters in Christ to support them. Are we not? Yeah? And as a church, we can do that together. We can do that with those in our community as well. But there are key principles today, 2,000 years later on, I believe, that we can learn from as well. Because if the Macedonian church were hold up as this great example to the Corinthian church, then I want us to, our church to be like that as well, don't you? I want people to know about the generosity that they receive from our church through our finances. We should be a church that seeks God first with our own individual finances and as a church as well. And a great way to test if you are kingdom focused with your finances, by the way, is to look at your bank account. It's to look at your bank account. What are you spending on yourself? What are you spending on others? What are you spending through ministries or missionaries or even to your church? And by the way, when I say kingdom focused, it's wider than giving to Waypoint Church. This is just a corner of the kingdom. Right? Do you believe that? It's not about just giving to, to us here. Right? I'm not interested in making Waypoint famous or bringing glory to Waypoint or greater influence at Waypoint. I want God to be famous through Waypoint. I want his influence to be greater through Waypoint. And so when you do give to this church, by the way, you give to the God's kingdom work here, not Waypoint's work here. So that's really, really, really key to remember. Really key to remember. Because I want us to have a broader understanding of what our finances do when it follows God into faithful situations. The bottom line is this today, generous giving is more than a number. If you remember that, that's all you need to remember, okay? So, if that's the case, and this isn't knocking tithing, right? Because tithing is really important. So please hear as I speak it out. We need to be really careful that we don't just put a number on generosity when it comes to our finances. We don't limit 
our generosity through tithing. I know many of you graciously and radically generously give to the church and to missionaries and ministries and organizations and charities all over the world. And honestly, we couldn't, as Andy said, we could not function here if it wasn't for that generosity, without a doubt. And a big thank you to that. So I'm not knocking that before Graham, our treasurer, pulls his hair out and you start cancelling direct debits and stuff. You know, for many, tithing, giving 10% of what you get, your income, is how you use it. It's a mechanism which you want to bless this church and bless God's work in and through it. So thank you about that. So I'm not saying tithing isn't a good thing. I'm not saying giving a particular number to someone in the missionary field or wherever it might be isn't a good thing. But it can become limiting. It can become limiting. And I'll unpack that a little bit in a minute. You'll know that tithing in the Old Testament was... um, Old Testament basically was an attempt to, to get right with God. You bring your sacrifices and your tithe. You bring the best, the first fruits of whatever was your harvest that year. You bring it into the, the temple and you'd offer it to God to be made right with God so you could worship God. Now we live the other side of the cross, right? We live the other side of the cross now. And now Jesus didn't come to abolish the old covenant, did he? The old laws and everything else. He came to fulfill it, right? So Jesus was the, the, the full stop to the Old Testament. In him, all the old stuff, everything they were striving for and trying to achieve was found in Jesus Christ. Amen? He was the fulfillment of all that stuff. That's why we can't offer anything good enough to God. We can only offer what he's given us, his first fruits, which is Jesus Christ. We can offer them back to God. That's what makes us right. And we can worship God through what he's done which is Jesus Christ's work on the cross. So we're under grace now. And that's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a slightly, it's a bit of a moving away from a number. I'm not, please hear my heart in this, by the way. We're moving towards a, general, a, a, a generosity that is not based on a particular number. Numbers help, but we need to think, oh, how much can I give? And I'm not saying just, you know, willy-nilly just start chucking money everywhere. You need to steward your finances as well. But... If we limit our financial giving to just a sum of money, we can become detached from its original intent. And I've chatted to people over the last couple of years, and COVID has put pressures on finances as well. Sometimes, and I think it was in one of those quotes, sometimes you look at what you give, don't you? You look at what you give generously to other people or to the church here or other churches, wherever you worship, and you start to think, it'd be quite nice if I could just pull a bit back from that. Or perhaps I'll just cut that bit off for a while. And I understand it, right? Me and Abby, my wife, we sat down and looked at it and did it, thought exactly the same thing. It's totally normal. But after a while, you can kind of lose the point of why we give. You can become detached. Someone said in, I think, one of those quotes, or someone I've chatted to anyway, said it can be quite transactional. You even forget that you're giving, right? I don't want us to be in that point where we forget that we're joining in with God's kingdom work with our finances, do you? No? Good. Tithing can get to the point where it's just something that you just, you know, it's just a number on a page. It can feel obligatory or perhaps even conditional. It's a bit like this. If you, whoever, when you have a birthday, um, who sets themselves up for like a sum of money first? Who do you think I'm going to spend 20 quid on that person or 30 quid? Anyone? 
Please put your hand in the air because I need a bit of interaction. When you think of someone's birthday, you go, oh, probably about 30 quid's about a fair for that person. You spend it, right? And then you're probably thinking as you give them the present, you're thinking, I hope I get 30 quid's back when it's my birthday. (laughs) And then your birthday turns around and you're like, what's happened there? Right, 20 quid next year. Uh, (laughs) 20 quid, yeah. But it's obligatory, when we think like that towards someone's birthday, as an example, an analogy, it becomes obligatory and a little bit conditional because you're subconsciously thinking, I hope I get something back from that. But actually, as we give to the Lord, it should be a little bit like, imagine, you know, it's Mark's birthday. Hello, Mark. <laughs> it's Mark's birthday. And I just said, Mark, you know what? I love you so much. I'm just going to buy you a gift that has no figure on it. You know, you're worrying because I'm going to get you a five-pound gift now. <laughs> but you, our giving should represent our love for Jesus. Right? It shouldn't be just a number, and, it, and please hear me right, it shouldn't just be a number that we just give without thinking about it. You know, Paul doesn't command, does he, the church to just give a lump sum, that set aside 10% that you've got in your special, um, special circumstances. He doesn't encourage them to give out of um, obligation or condition or expectation, but out of submission. Verse 5, they gave themselves to the Lord first. They were submitted fully to the Lord. Everything that they were was fully submitted and their finances came under that as well. They were fully focused on God's kingdom work with their finances. Which is why I genuinely believe, if you read, read in that passage, that they gave beyond their ability. Did you hear that? You know, if I, if I had two quid in my pocket and suddenly I gave you three quid, it's because I'm fully submitted to the Lord. Does that make sense? God did something in that moment. How can you give beyond your ability? You can't, can you? Only God enables you to give beyond your ability when you are fully submitted to the Lord. And you heard, I think there was an echo in one of the testimonies on the screen that we saw, that whenever there's been a bill to pay, whenever there's been something to happen that's needed money with it or to help or whatever it might be, that God does turn up in those moments. Can I just see a straw poll? Show of hands for anyone in the room who has had those moments where you've needed money to come through for something or other. You've continued to bless someone else, but you've seen God come through in those moments and just just turn around. Just look at that. Keep your hands in the air. Right? That's amazing, isn't it? I'm not making this up if you're thinking it's a bit weird, a bit cynical. That's not fluke. That's not luck. That's the spirit. That's God at work. Honoring people that put him first. I don't know where I am now in my notices, in my, in my talk. Um, right, point two. Tithing, giving a number, as beautiful as it is and as good as it is as a mechanism, can disconnect the fullness of our finances. Sometimes when we give 10%, 2%, 1%, 20%, whatever you give, whatever it is you feel right to give, we kind of feel like we've given God that bit, right? He's got his chunk, he's got his cut. Now the rest is all mine. <laughs> I could do whatever I want with this bit. Nothing in scripture suggests that, by the way. You imagine if you came to the Lord and said, Lord, have all 10% of my life. Have it all. Have 10% of my heart, Lord. It doesn't work, does it? Does it? He wants your whole life. For the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, all of it. Your finances, by the way, is under his control. His control. I have a, I have a gym uh, in a shed at the bottom of my garden that I don't ever use. <laughs> I got it installed. Abby's going to tell me off for this. I don't use it that much. And, uh, but people have come and used it a lot, which is great, because at least someone's getting to use it. Um, 
But can you imagine if I, if they, when they, when they came to use it and they left, they went, by the way, we've left the windows intact. We've ruined everything else. We've trashed the other 90%, but the windows are still intact. I wouldn't be very happy, would I? Because it's all mine, isn't it? Yeah? They've just done whatever they wanted with the rest of it. I hope you're following. <laughs> yeah, we, we, I think we, we kind of, when we put sums of money on this generosity thing in the kingdom of God, we've done that little bit, done that little bit. The rest is however we want. What would it look like if we recognized that, yes, after the giving to the different places, we then thought, but the rest is also God's as well. The rest could be used for his kingdom finances. And I, as I was writing this, I, and I don't want to pass over this too quickly. How long have I got, Kev? <laughs> Five minutes, okay. Is that if we recognize that some of the other finances that are ours in our minds, I got challenged that perhaps there's many of us in this room today that we spend the rest of that money that we think is just ours to do what we want with on things that aren't healthy for us. And that it's God's. It's God's money. Does that make sense? There's some things that are driving addictions and habits and bad behaviors and all sorts of stuff, perhaps in the dark places. I don't know. You know. God knows. That our money enables us to do. How could we honor God with all of our money? How could we honor God in that moment when we're using that money to buy something, to get something, to subscribe to something, to watch something that is dishonoring to God, that doesn't bring glory to him? Are you with me? What does it look like to give him all of our money, to submit us all of our finances under the Lord? Would we be more generous? How many of you have taken a tag off the Christmas tree for the hub, by the way? Brilliant. Just go take one. <laughs> Would be more if your neighbour's got his car and bits on, on, the, on the driveway, can you go out there and offer him, can I pay for something? Right? Despite the fact that we know things are dodgy right now and we're a bit tight with money. Because do we trust that God will help us if we help other people? Because that's how this works. And do you know what happens as we do that, as we use our finances for the kingdom of God? They go, why are you being so generous? What's happening here? Why are you showing love? I mean, in the current climate, you should be holding... No, don't worry about that. Opportunity to talk about faith. Opportunity to talk about Jesus. Paul doesn't say, excel in tithing. He says what? Excel in the grace of giving. In the grace of giving. Undeserved favor. Undeserved merit. Because grace unlocks God's kingdom work. The grace of giving. Your giving... Right, If it's here or anywhere else, and I'm hoping I can challenge you for the everyday now, when you're going about your business, your giving is an act of grace that unlocks God's kingdom in the everyday. Last point. Um, a generous giving heart is a heart that recognizes how much generosity has been given in Jesus. I'll say that again. A generous giving heart is about... Sorry, a generous giving heart is a heart that recognizes how much generosity has been given in Jesus. The Macedonian church in verse 9, they knew the grace of their Lord Jesus Christ. They were rich in God's love. They knew that he, they had been justified through Jesus and the work of him on the cross. They knew that every single day grace was providing for them, was helping them, was with them in the form of the Spirit, was strengthening them. Do we know that grace? I think we do. If you know Jesus, by the way, you know that level of grace. It's everyday grace. It's not a one-time thing that happened on the cross. It's every single day. 
So every single day, God's got jobs for us to do with our finances that bless people with the grace of our finances. Does that make sense? This is radical generosity. We are made rich in love because of Jesus Christ. The Macedonian church was simply reflecting the richness of their spiritual wealth. That's all they were doing. They were like, we know what we've received. We were once poor. Jesus took on that poverty for us. And then he made us rich in Christ. So we want our finances, the physical finances, what we've got, whatever we've got left, to reflect the freedom and the, and the grace that we have been given. I'm going to finish hand over to Kev. What would it look like for our finances to be challenged today? To have radical generosity towards our finances in the everyday. And I want to just say again, thank you for what you give to this church and other places as well. But what does it look like to have a wider understanding of what you've been given in your bank account? As small or as big as it might be. Where can you join with God's kingdom work in the everyday conversations or in the everyday moments? Can you buy a shop for someone? Not a shop, as in shopping bags for someone. Can you fill up their car for them? You know, trusting that God will help you. Yeah? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, Each of you should give, it was up there, what you've decided in your heart. Because I know some of you are thinking, okay, Jim, how much? Each of you should give what's in your heart. There isn't a number on it anymore. You remember from Mark 12, the, the, the widow, she gave how many small coins? Two. Yeah? Mark 12, check it out for yourself. R- really rich people were giving loads of coins. So monetary terms, she gave a lot less. But Jesus says, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all others because she put her heart into it and she had fully submitted to the Lord. And he would have looked after her. So what does that look like to seek the Lord in your finances this week? To seek the spirit and his movement? I'm going to hand over to Kev. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for Kev. Lord, I thank you for his heart for you. Lord, I thank you that... um, You have designed him how you've designed him, with a a, a head for numbers and an understanding for figures, Lord. I thank you that he honors you first as well in everything that he does. Just be with him now as he continues to speak to us, as you continue to speak to us this morning in your name. Amen. Thank you. As uh, those quotes that were put up there earlier, I almost felt like saying, I don't need to say anything. They said it all. They were great, weren't they? People's hearts. It's about God first. You know, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking to myself, if I had all the time and money in the world, what would I do? And you know what? I'd go to the World Cup and I'd watch every game. But I mean the proper World Cup in France next year. All right? That's the rugby one for those who don't know. That's the one I go to. Or I go and see the British Lions on tour in New Zealand playing the All Blacks, something like that. That's what I do. And then, you know, last, last Sunday, Claire t- talked about sacrificial living. She talked about um, making small changes, comments, um, how we treat people, how we respond to people, how we act people. And that's what Jim was just touching on as well. All those things, serving releases blessing. And I sort of felt, hmm, perhaps that's not the right answer. As much as I'd like to go to the World Cup, maybe that's not the right answer.
So I want to read some verses from Proverbs 3. It says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. I want to go to verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with, your, with the first fruits of all your crops. In the Bible, first fruits, you know, it's a farmer, isn't it? Going out, getting the first fruits in, everything's ripe, gets the best in. The first thing he does is he gives it to God. And that's what it's, it's about, isn't it? It's about, it's about what's best, what's ripest, what's purest, what's best. You know, it, it's the ultimate that's what we give God first, not what's left over. If you want to, I'm not going to go into it, but if you want to see what God thinks about it, you ought to read Malachi 1. It's a bit brutal. But uh, it, it, God says, but me first. There are, is it, uh, you shall have no other gods but me. It's one of the commandments, isn't it? And actually, money can get in the way it's about putting god first and that's what's important what comes first reflects what comes first so what comes first in our lives and in our finances is what perhaps reflects what's most important in our lives there was a similar quote that jim had then we need to pay our bills we need to provide for our families we all recognize that but actually, do we put holidays and hobbies before what we give to God? Well, actually, it's what goes first on that balance sheet. It's not a chronological thing. Day one, the money comes in. Day two, my giving to, to the work of the kingdom goes out. It's about when you put your finances together, what comes first? What comes first? Yeah, do we give him of our best or do we give him of our excess? I'm not perfect. You just heard me say, I go to the World Cup. So I need to look at myself as well here. So it, it, it's a priority thing I'm talking about. And actually, I'm not... I went to um, uh, a very evangelical Anglican school. And there was one thing that we always had in chapel. And that whenever there was an offering, they used the phrase in the prayer, and of your own do we give you. And it just reminded me that everything we have is what we've received from God in the first place. Yeah? It's not ours. It's his. The Bible tells us in 1 Timothy 6, the love of money 
is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money is evil, it's the love of money. It's when that becomes too important, we've got to deal with it. Okay? I want to just take you through perhaps where the church spends some of its money that you kindly give us. Yeah? This is, we're the church, this is how we spend the money that you give us. Okay? Left-hand side is the big one. Right-hand side is how we break down those blue sections slightly. So we need to pay our utilities. And uh, Andy said at the beginning, utilities, facilities. Actually, how we treat the building. We know the people are not, the church is not the building, but actually it's a reflection of how we, we look after what God's given us. So we need to look after our utilities, facilities. We need to administrate the building. There's stuff that needs to go on. There's uh, the finance team. There's staff wages. And we need to honor our staff. It's really important that we honor our staff. Not just paying them a reasonable wage, but we don't overwork them. And we need to look, and there's a desire to move into that and actually expand the staff to, to bring people in to, to work alongside Jim as well. And we need to look at that. Okay. But I want to also, as well as look at that stuff, and we've obviously got our mortgage to pay as well, but let's look at the blue area. That's what we like to do. That's where our heart is as a church. That's what we want to lean into. But please be aware that if you don't see the ministry you're, you're involved in on that right-hand pie diagram, it doesn't mean it's not important. It probably means from a financial perspective it's, it's wrapped away in there in some way. But I just want to take you through some of those. Mission. As a church, we give about 10% of our income away, and it's really important because it says we need to practice what we preach. It's important to us. We're part of a bigger church. We're part of a bigger world. We're part of a kingdom of God that stretches from Calvary to today and into the future and right the way around the world. That's what we're part of. So we need to look at the mission. We need to look beyond ourselves. And if you're new to the church and you have a relationship with a mission organization, come and talk to the mission team because we might be able to support them. We love to build relationships with people we know so that we can support them, engage with them, whether it's Kath Clarkson in Africa, whether it's Enable the Children in Sierra Leone, whether it's um, sorry, Rock Projects in Uganda, ICC in China, Elpitha Hope in Greece, whatever it is. If there's more, come and talk to us. We love to because it takes us out of ourselves makes us realize we're part of a bigger world. It's about heart. I want to go down creative ministries. Everyone goes, well, that's, you know, that's just flash techie stuff, isn't it? Well, do you know what? I want to big up the creative team because they kept us going through lockdown. If they hadn't done what they did, we couldn't be here. Yeah, we couldn't have met. They're fantastic. The other thing I would say about creative ministries is if they get it right, no one notices. If they get it wrong, everyone notices. They're brilliant. Okay. I want to talk about pastoral care and discipleship. 
Yeah, that's about glue. That's looking out. And outreach, how do we look after ourselves? How do we grow? How do we develop? How do we reach out into our community? Really important stuff that we want to lean into. Youth, I had the privilege of meeting with some of the youth earlier this week. By the way, I recognize I owe you an email. And they are fantastic. They are brilliant. They have a heart for God like it was inspiring. And, but we need to look after them. We need to encourage them. We need to grow them. These are things that we want to look into. Just a heads up, in the new year, January, February, we're hoping to put together a, a, a sort of church meeting or two, not a normal church meeting, where everyone can come to, that actually we can hear about visions for ministry, about how we want to grow stuff, how we want to develop stuff, how we want to give God the glory and extend his kingdom. That's what we want to do. Okay? So it's all about heart. And what does God expect our relationship with money to be like? Well, again, 1 Timothy 6, again, a couple of verses in there. Verses 7 to 19, he says, uh, Don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Ah, maybe I can go to the World Cup. But he also says, be generous and willing to share. Yeah? It's a generous heart. That's what we need. A generous heart. You might say, I'm not wealthy. That's all relative because in this world, we live in one of the most wealthy countries. We're also always only ever told to compare ourselves with people who have more. Never with people who have less. Yeah? Let's remember that. Okay, and I also want to just challenge you that a lot of you have probably made sacrificial promises. We talk about sacrificial living. This is about sacrificial giving. A lot of you have made those promises already. You may not realize it. When you got married, you probably said something like this. I'll give you this ring as a sign of our marriage. With my body, I honor you. All that I am, I give to you. And all that I have have I share with you and if we the church are the body of Christ we need to say that to to God as well he said it to us when he gave us his son but we need to respond to God in that way and it is tough Matthew 16 tells us to pick up our cross daily and follow him and it is tough and I know and I need my heart changing and modifying as well but can I just leave you with a few verses of hope if you want to come into that change of heart. Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. I struggle with it. I'm sure a lot of you struggle with it. Let's just leave it with the Lord.